0: and welcome back to another episode of Pod on You Loons. This is Sam. Justin is on spring break. I think he's in Arizona. I just caught a picture of him watching the Suns and Lakers play in Phoenix. James is in the UK for work. You can hear his thoughts on Sunday night's episode of Post Loons. But I have with me two special guests today. I got Doomsday Jeremy who was last on episode 82, the kit episode. Jeremy, how you doing?
1: Pot on you, Loons. Sam, I'm doing well. I got my uh, brand new Longwani jersey on me. I
0: am uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. You might be the first dude that is at least sometimes on a Loons podcast to have a Longwane jersey. I I don't know. There's like 37 Loons podcasts. I haven't checked with all of them, but you might be the first.
1: All right. Oh, I, I can handle that.
0: There you go. My second guest I have with me tonight... Last appeared on episode 78, Pennsylvania Loon, we have the P.A. Loon with us. P.A., how you doing?
2: Pod on your Loons. After last night, it is hard to be doing anything other than amazing.
0: <laughs> I, I hear that. I hear that. And you're sporting the NASL. I believe that was either like a 2015 or 2016 wing kit?
2: Yep. Got the uh, the retro wing kit. I thought Dane's performance last night was deserving to break it out for the, the pod tonight.
0: I hear ya. Now, we'll we'll kind of get into things in a little bit, but PA, on the Twitter machine, you had a little bit of disagreement about our kit episode. So Jeremy and I, Justin, James, we went over our favorite kits when the new release of that all black night kit or whatever they call it, when that was released, we did a ranking of our favorite loons kits. You have on the NASL kit that someone... Totally awesomely sent it to you in the mail. What did you have that you wanted to tell us about our kit rankings? You had a bone you wanted to pick. That was how you phrased it.
2: The new kits for MLS this year, there were two of them that I thought were pretty fantastic. Okay. And
0: I know where this and is going. They
2: were slandered fairly significantly on the show. <laughs> <laughs> and in all so, fairness,
0: yeah. Jeremy started it.
1: I will not back down on my thought on the Timbers jersey. It is awful. If that's one of them,
2: I
0: don't... I don't,
2: I don't it has know. to be. It has to be.
0: Is one of them the Timbers jersey?
2: The, one of them is the Timbers jersey. That is a, a great-looking jersey. And I come to make a point that I was... It was really a jersey-ranking episode. Because now that I've seen the kit, I am completely with you. That thing is an abomination. They are wearing it with white shorts, and I can't for the life of me understand who is allowing that to happen when that shirt with red, like the rose-colored shorts, would be just chef's kiss, perfection, no notes, just go out on the field and look amazing, but they have it with white shorts. It is so hideous that they are just ruining the color that they have going with that one by refusing to get them another pair of shorts. Like, That's like MLS 1998. How cheap can we be that we can't (laughs) afford another pair of shorts?
1: After seeing them in game day, it literally looks like, they were designed by like those 80 year old guys that you see on cruises that are like, you know, professional cruisers that like wear their Hawaiian shirt and their white shorts. And they, you know, just, they, they just, they, they got their whole routine down. They know where to go for the buffet. Like, that's what I imagine this watching those guys out there. It is. So it is literally the worst sports Jersey uniform, whatever that I I've ever seen.
0: so, Okay. So we're, we're talking about the Portland, the new Portland Jersey or or kit. It's, I don't, I would say it's an off white. I I don't have it in front of me. It's a lighter color and it has rose prints all over it. And it, it was a little bit divisive. Some people loved it. Some people hated it. We had, you know, we had a few listeners reach out and they were like, Hey, I, I really liked it. And You know, I I hope those listeners aren't right now like, oh, you guys are doing this all over again. Because, PA, I thought you were going to defend the Rose Kit. I was. Okay, so you you don't like it with the shorts, but you came on here with a bone to pick. You want to defend it. You already heard what Jeremy and I have to say about it. We don't really care for it. But why do you like it so much?
2: I like it because if we're going to start allowing MLS clubs to develop an identity, then... Like, being the Rose City and having a Rose shirt like that, I think is exactly the kind of direction that I would like to see more MLS teams go in that direction of having something that is, like, their identity. Okay, I thought Philadelphia last year with the Lightning Bolts, like the Ben Franklin kind of connection, like, that was one that was well-received.
0: I, I would agree with that.
2: It's It's just a move away from the... The Charlotte FC, here's a an arsenal template from a couple of years ago, and we'll just slap dash a couple of blue colors on there and call it a day. Like it there's some more attention to detail that I think I would love to see more MLS teams move in that direction. I like that one and the other one that I liked was Montreal with the marble that they've got. And they're but also doing the
0: thing. The reason we didn't like that one was because we said the marble one was a I don't dislike the Montreal marble. it does rip off an Arsenal kit, though, from a couple of years ago where they did red marble, so it's funny that you said Arsenal and Charlotte because that was why we were that was why we were kind of ripping on the Montreal kit is like it yeah, it looks bold, it looks nice, but Arsenal did it in red a couple of years ago.
2: yeah well. <laughs> And and and, I, and after seeing it in action, it has the same problem. They're playing with like a boring gray short with that one.
0: Okay.
1: Well, and 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 I think I, I do like I do like where you're going um, with your support of the Portland jersey because I like the idea of. I mean, I, I said it on the podcast. Like, give me the ugliest, craziest looking jersey that I I like that kind of thing. I don't like the like norm, but um, I just don't think it was executed properly. Like, I would. I love that idea though, that you presented where you give some of the teams that identity and it starts to not look like a manufactured kit across
0: the league. Well, yeah, like even our, even our Minnesota United, um, night kit, whatever you want to call it, there are at least five other teams that essentially have the same kit released this year with the, with the collar and the stripes. And they're just in different colors. You know, I think Minnesota made it work really well, but, at the end of the day it was right. Like it was a basic Adidas template and then we made it our own. There wasn't much more we could do than that. All right. I think, I think we're all in agreement that Adidas and the relationship with MLS has kind of limited things. And I, I, yeah, you're right. I do appreciate Portland uh, stepping out of the box, Seattle stepping out of the box. Not my favorite. Some people love it, right? Some people love it to each their own. And, you know, I do have a disclaimer you know, I, I won't speak for UPA, but Jeremy and I, like, I, I lived and worked with the guy for four years or lived with him for three, worked with him for four. He and I don't know how to dress ourselves. Like, we, we have no business telling anyone what is fashionable and what is not fashionable. So, you, you know, to, to everyone out there that, you know, maybe disagrees with one of our takes, you know, I dress like Jake from State Farm to work every day. Well, that was when I would actually go into work. Now I dress like Jake from State Farm, from my neck to my waist, and I wear athletic shorts uh, because no one can see, <laughs> no one can see that I'm not actually in khakis.
2: Well, as for me, I, mean, I I have watched every episode of Project Runway, so this is a very informed fashion opinion. <laughs> there you go. That I bring to the show, I I feel very qualified to break down the attire of professional athletes.
1: And so. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm slightly offended. I, I try to wear Zubas every chance I get. So I I assume that you're trying to say Zubas are not fashion forward. I don't, I don't, you know, come on, Sam.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I, I mean, even us, you know, even you and I, like there are occasionally days that we dress to impress and that's when the Zubas come in.
1: Of course, thank you. I I was worried about you there for a second. You know, I gotta say, Sam, and one last thing on the on the on the jersey. You know, I got my Longwane jersey, and and I had rated the River kit my number one, and I would like tenfold stand behind that again. Like once I got it and really saw it up close, it's such a cooler jersey up close.
0: Yeah, it really is. The what do we call it? Topography. Yep. There we go. We have three social studies teachers on this podcast right now, FYI. So fair warning to all of you out there. All right. Well, okay. That, w- that was 10 minutes talking about kits. Let's go over a couple of news items. The first news item, Devin Paddleford signs a homegrown contract. He is a defender who, Jeremy, he recently graduated from your alma mater, Woodbury High School. So go Royals, right? Go Royals.
1: Royals. Yep. Go Royals.
0: What What are you, class of? 98. Class so, of 98. Uh,
1: me and Mr. Paddleford haven't really crossed paths. but. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. Well, still our third DP behind Fred Emmings and Patrick Weah. Welcome to the team, Devin Paddleford. I'm assuming we're going to see him mostly on Minnesota United 2 for the foreseeable future. Speaking of Minnesota United 2, they just defeated Ford Madison in a friendly, my hometown Ford Madison 2 to 1. I'd have no idea about who scored or anything like that because it was a closed game. I don't think we got any details about it. It would have been fun to go, right? My my favorite MLS team's reserve team and my hometown team. So who so had to who are out. you
1: cheering, cheering for in that? Sam, like who who's your rooting interest there?
0: I mean, it's a friendly. I have the split scarf. All right. I did go to the friendly between Minnesota United and forward Madison a couple of years ago, like 2019. Got the split scarf. There there we go. Right. I'm, I'm on a Minnesota United podcast. I know every Minnesota United player. I watch every game. I don't do the same for forward. So if push came to shove, it would be tough, but I would cheer for Minnesota United. There we go. All right. Training room update. It's not getting better, guys. The names are changing, but the list isn't getting shorter. Here is our training room update. So we had Will Trap, Kirvin Ariaga, and Jacory Hayes all return from their injuries. Now we have Tyler Miller, our starting goalkeeper at the start of the season, out with an illness. And just one point I want to make, and we'll we'll get to Dane St. Clair later. Sorry, we'll get to. MLS player of the week, Dane St. Clair, later, but I do want to point out that 18-year-old high school senior Fred Emmings was the goalkeeper on the bench in New York the other day. Not Eric Dick, so just an important thing to point out. I'm wondering what's up there. So Miller was out with an illness. Baki Debassi still out with the ankle. Now O'Neill Fisher out with a thigh um, Chase Gasper still out with a head injury. He was at least on the bench, but that's getting a little scary. You have Ramon Metnair and Abu Ladi still out with thigh injuries. I don't ever remember this many thigh injuries. It's a little weird right now, right? It's a little weird right now. This was a quote by Adrian Heath via the Star Tribune. Playing three at the back is an option we could do, especially on the road if you want to make it tighter. I don't think we're at that stage yet. I want to see how it develops the next few weeks to see how we are, right? So, especially with our defense, defensive players being out, so many of them. Adrian Heath, the guy that does not like to change up formations, even talking about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I hate to say it. Last time I was on, we talked about coming into the opener, how healthy we were, and Am I not mistaken, did they not, like, fire somebody last year because of the injuries on the team? Like, didn't they? They did, yeah. And, and so it, it may maybe it wasn't that guy's fault. Um, <laughs> but uh, I guess the one thing, you know, Ariaga came back from injury. Yep. But are you concerned, Sam, with, like, kind of his style of play and, like, everything? It seems like he's on the ground a lot. It seems like he meets up with a lot of contact seems like he's willing to kind of go in there and make the tough challenge. And I'm kind of worried about how, um, how he's going to hold up throughout the entire season.
0: Yeah. I mean a little bit, we have a two game sample size for him. He's getting used to the MLS. I don't know. I I think you raise a really good point and I think you very well could be right. I would be interested to see if this is kind of like a welcome to the MLS type of situation. I, I don't know. PA. You got any thoughts, man?
2: Yeah, I had thought a little bit about him last night because he was last night taking some real shots and just throwing himself in there. But then he would pop up and you'd see him moving around again. And as soon as it got near him, he would do it all over again. And so I was, the thought crossed my mind, like, is there a little bit of Jim Brown? Like, always get up a little bit slower. You know, last night we were on the road. Is there a little bit of gamesmanship going on? take your time, get back up. No need to, to help them rush the clock, especially near the end of the game when, you know, burning time was, was all we could hope for. I don't know. I mean, he, he definitely has a style that seems to verge on reckless. But, I mean, if, uh, if Jeremy's going to take Bonky and, and do that, then I really enjoyed watching Ariaga. I think he's got a really nice style of play to help in the middle – to get things moving forward, I mean, he was, he was going up the field a good bit, but then also whenever they would get it, you know, really helping to clog things up. So I don't know. I really enjoyed him. I, I th- Sam, I think your point about it's a two game sample size. If, if we're continuing to see that and he's not getting injured, then ho- what I'm hoping is it was a little bit of, well, I'll just, you know, if I can sit down here and milk the clock, fix my socks and roll around like the chicken on family guy for a little bit, then that helps out. But yeah, it, it is mildly concerning. I I can't say that I'm not that I'm fully confident this is a this is a thing that we're going to see all year out of him without any consequence.
1: I know we're going to get into it kind of later about our offense and and uh, talking about what we where our thoughts should be on that. But I think something to really consider here is we have not seen our starting four defenders together yet in a game, and we got a win and, and two draws. And I mean, really this game against New York, we played this game without either of our, either our left or right back. Nair seems to be a guy who you're just not going to be able to count on to stay healthy throughout the year. I mean, like he was hurt some last year as well. I kind of think he's probably going to be splitting more time with Fisher.
0: Um, well, so we, we looked at that and I, I think it was the significance of when he was injured. Right, because we saw him leave the playoffs two years in a row, and we were we were kind of thinking like, oh, did does this paint a false image in our mind that Mettenair is injury prone, especially considering right it it tends to be hamstring stuff. But like when you look at the stats about who is playing the most games, who's playing the most minutes, Metair wasn't that far down the list,
1: yeah, yeah, and I understand that. I just. We we haven't got to see Gasper yet back there. Gasper and Metinair haven't played yet this year, if I'm not mistaken, right?
0: Or did Metnair play the opener? Ooh,
1: I can't remember. Ooh.
0: But anyways, I thought Metinair played the opener, but I I guess I already forget.
1: I, I think Fisher started
0: the opener, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think he did, but I thought he did for Gasper. I, yeah, you're probably right.
1: The fact is, you got you got Fisher, and you know he comes in there. He looks really good the first two games, and then now he's out. Oh. And so now you're at DJ Taylor, who actually, DJ Taylor didn't look too bad. I mean, he he got lost on a couple of plays. And luckily, you know, we had the goal goaltender standing on his head last night. But I, I think it really points to the depth of this team. And if we just can get our defense healthy, I think that could, to my point, spark the offense as we go.
0: So Matt Nair did not play in the opener. Yeah, I, I think you have a really good point and. Allowing two goals in three games is good no matter who your defense is. Would it have been two goals in three games if not for the play of Dane St. Clair last night? Probably not, right? Probably not. But two two goals in three games, right now we're doing something that's working at least. The people that are meant to fill in have been filling in. But this amount of injuries this early in the season is alarming.
2: It is. I think the other thing that has to be pointed out about our two goals in three games is who those three games were against. You know, coming up against three teams that, you know, whenever we get to playoff times, I mean, wouldn't you have to imagine that these these three are going to be in there? I mean, yeah, I don't you'd probably it. assume all three. Yeah. And you've got, you know, us getting two draws and a win, which I would, I would say, especially after last season, is a, a solid start compared to other teams that are getting a lot of talk like Austin, everyone's talking about them, but I mean, they're playing like the NCAA all-stars or something like beating up on the scrubs at the bottom of the league. And then they run into good competition and, and kind of fall apart. So I think especially the the record that we've got looking at the competition that we faced is, is even more impressive speaking to that quality talent that you can, you can rotate through. I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to push a, push our luck a whole lot more with the injury front, but right now, at least, we seem to have some pieces that we can move in and out and still have a nice quality back line. That we do.
0: That we do. The roster was constructed nicely. Let's keep these guys healthy. I, I don't get how this is happening. Right? I don't get how this is happening two years in a row.
1: Well, you want to start to see people complaining about not getting playing time, not having people forced into the lineup and out of position because we're running out of backs. <laughs>
0: right. Right. If anything, some of these injuries have been convenient because, right, we, we, and we'll, we'll talk about it in a little bit. Like how do we fit Dotson and Ariaga on the field at the same time? Well, it's, it's easy if you have to force Dotson to play right back, right? That <laughs> The problem just all of a sudden goes away were how how do you feed Dane St. Clair and Tyler Miller? Well it really not not that Tyler Miller getting the flu has anything to do with our injury concerns, but right problem solved. Dane St. Clair here here, have at it. Here are your gloves, get in there. Kind of work some things out. Well, let let's go over the lineup that we saw last night. Goalkeeper Dane Sinclair. We're gonna talk quite a bit about Dane St. Clair. At defense, uh, starting at left back, we have DJ Taylor. Foxy and Coleman at center back. Dotson at right back. Your midfield was Kervin Ariaga and Will Trapp. Your attacking midfield, Robin Ludd, Emmanuel Reynoso and Franco Fragapane. And then up top, you had Luis Amaria. Few subs, a few subs, most of them much later on at the 51st minute. That's when you have um, Bangui Longwane come on for an injured Franco Fragapane. In the 85th minute, you have Joseph Rosales coming on for Luis Amaria and then the 87th minute to really close things off. You have Jacory Hayes coming in for Emmanuel Reno. So, first question I have for you guys. Should we think anything about Ariaga starting in midfield while Dotson starts at right back?
1: Well, I know we're at a two-game sample size here, but the way I look at it is Ariaga has earned himself a spot on that field. I mean, Ariaga controlled that game for us for a little while, especially in the first half. I mean, without his defending and some of the plays he made, it could have gotten ugly. You know, I, I know you had kind of made fun of me about saying, like, this is going to be a tough game to talk about, but there was nothing good to talk about in those first 45 minutes. Really, there wasn't. Other than, of course, our goalkeeper. I think what it tells us is this. I think Ariaga is sort of like the guy that sort of stays and I think you can sort of like interchange trap or have Dotson play that back position depending on matchups. I think we have a team that has a lot of versatility. And I think if everyone's healthy, a guy like Dotson, which has always sort of been his role on this team anyway, is going to be your sort of guy who sort of fits wherever you need him to.
0: Yeah. I appreciate that. And right. I've said this many times. I want, this year, I'm really hoping based on what I have seen with our lineup, based on what I have seen with our depth, I'm really hoping that this is the year that Loons fans get to stop expecting just, okay, here is our optimal 11. And if this guy's out, we slide in this guy. If this guy's out, we slide in this guy. I really would like Loons fans to start thinking in terms of We have so many different combinations of how we can play these guys and how we can line up against teams based on who we're playing, based on our form, based on what we want to do. That is what I'm hoping for. So I'm hoping that this whole Curvin or Dotson, which way are we going to go? I'm I'm hoping that this is just kind of noise. That's my hope. Again, early in the season are things truly different? Will we see this team sort of establish an optimal 11 and try to get that optimal 11 in maybe, but right now it's kind of looking like that. We might finally be breaking away from that. All right. Next question I have for you. And this is kind of a Minnesota United pundit cliche at this point. This is turning into where will LeBron be next year or, will Tom Brady come back or what's up with Aaron Rodgers? but two straight games without Hanu. And in the first game, we only saw him for a handful of minutes. Anyone want to try to tackle that? Anyone want to try to figure out what's up with that?
2: I mean, it's hard to argue with what the team has done without him. Mm -hmm. And that makes it really hard to explain what the team is giving him and not really seeing much in return. I, you hope for someone like that, I mean, with all the potential, I and mean, there's a reason that we brought him over here and have him in the spot that he's in and just haven't seen the type of production out of a player with that contract that you would would expect. But if you're getting that out of these guys, then hopefully some time away, hopefully rediscover something and come back and be able to contribute. I think the it's sort of the front line the same thought of what we had with the back line that we haven't seen that back line really stabilized and together, but look at what they've been able to do. I mean, looking at the offense without him looking at what they've been able to do, I mean, we're not putting up five or six goals a game, but you know, there has been something up there and we've, we've ground out some results. We got a win last night. You would hope that there's a chance to come back, but I, I don't know. I mean, with that front line last night, do we think putting him in in the first 45, anything's different?
0: I mean, I, I don't know. We've been, right? This this is easy math. Even three social studies teachers can figure this out. We are averaging one goal a game, right? Because we've gotten one goal in each of our three games. Not not a lot. Uh, given the competition, you'll take it. Right? Especially since I think our stars are still waking up. I think Luis Amari is still getting in. Getting back into the hang of being in the league, I think Robin Lud, uh, having missed most of preseason, being at basic training or whatever he was doing in Finland, but I, I, th- I think Robin Lud has looked, you know, a little slow out the gate. I think Emmanuel Reynoso is. It, it almost seems like Emmanuel Re- Emmanuel Reynoso is still the same Ray, but doesn't have doesn't have people where he needs them to be to really kind of make the splash that we're used to seeing him make. So I, I, I could see our offense starting a little slow. I could see, I could see Hanu being able to do something. If he got put into there, I don't totally understand the situation. There hasn't been a lot said about it, which actually surprises me a little bit, because when we went through this with Thomas Chacon. There wasn't a lot of guessing. You could really read between the lines what was going on. You could really read between the lines that the team didn't rate Thomas Chacon very high and that the coaching staff was sort of losing patience. With Adrian Hunu. it seems like he's still in the plans. It seems like he's still in the mix. You haven't been hearing anything about him being disgruntled or you haven't been hearing anything about the coaching staff and him not getting along. But at the same time, you just... You're not seeing him ever. And I guess we haven't really been chasing games, though. So may, maybe that's it.
1: Well, and and I got to say, like, first off, if you would have asked me at halftime of this game, I would have said, get Amaria out of there and put in Hanu Because Amaria was pretty bad in the first half. And, of course, obviously, it turned out good. Amaria comes up with a, a brilliant goal and makes it all look, you know, like, obviously... He was the right choice, but Amaria was not good in the first half. He had a lot of bad turnovers. He he just wasn't, to me, he didn't look good. And my thing is, is I always thought last year, the big thing with the new was he looked fine, but he just, he wasn't hitting the back of the net. It was a lot of kind of bad luck and, and whatever. And so that was always the problem is he he's not scoring enough goals for what we're paying him. And in that case, I will applaud the Loons in this sense. How many times have we seen a sports franchise take their highest paid player and force him out on the field when he's not the best player at the position? So, I mean, if Amaria is the best guy for the job and we don't really have a place in the starting in the starting lineup for Hanou, then he's where he's supposed to be. And, you know, like you said, maybe we're going to see him more when we're chasing goals. Maybe we'll see some different formations depending on who we play. But I mean the fact of the matter is is that for whatever reason we don't know because we're not in that locker room, Amaria's the choice right now and they feel pretty confident in that.
0: And I, I feel pretty confident in that too. I, I hope no one misinterprets what I'm saying as Hanu needs to start over Amaria. No no, I, I think Amaria deserves to start over Hanu. I would have thought we would have seen more of Hanu by now. I, I guess that that's really what I'm saying. Maybe it's just now that I'm thinking about it, right, we haven't been needing that late goal. Maybe against Nashville, right? Against Nashville, we were pressing on pretty late in the game, trying to trying to score late into the game. They are the ones that packed it up. We are the ones that kept going for it. Maybe Hanou could have helped there. I'm not surprised Amari is starting over Hanou. I'm just surprised that we haven't seen anything. I'm surprised we haven't heard anything.
2: Well how much of the uh, to go to what we were talking about on the back line going from a four to a three, how much of that could be applied to the front going from a one to a two?
0: Yeah and right like you know PA, you're you're new to Minnesota United, but when we go to a formation where we say play the wing backs. so have three true defenders, a couple of wing backs. it's typically, right? It would probably be Chase Gasper and Ramon Metner assigned to those wingback roles. And we'd, we would have an extra center back, probably Brent Coleman. Well, may, maybe now it'd be Fisher. Who, who knows? We, we typically would have five defenders on the field rather than, rather than assigning midfielders or wingers to play the wingback role. So I, I have been thinking about that, about how a formation where two strikers on the field in a position where it would make sense for Hanu. We just might not have the guys healthy to do that right now, at least in Heath's eyes. That may be the case. Is that where you're getting at, PA?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, I think it goes to that that depth and flexibility that could at some point come in handy, that you have the ability to do that if you have the, the place to do it, if there's a matchup that would be in our favor. And like you said, if you've got the, the players healthy, that you're comfortable enough to stick out there. I think one of the things that's helped... I mean, I, I thought the first 45, I agree, there wasn't a whole lot of highlights there. I remember Lloyd had a couple of of movements off the ball that, that seemed pretty good, and then everything would just fall apart as soon as you got close to the final third. So I don't think there was a whole lot there for Aurea to work with. But I think as you get healthy, if there is an opportunity to, to get different different uh, players out there and and heath decides to to change up you know the, the force of habit of this is the system we play I mean, it it is an interesting one that you've got those players that you're not this is the guy and if he's injured then suddenly you're screwed but if the defense is holding up like this then there is a little bit less pressure out there and you're not chasing as much And i think that's helped to calm down a little bit of the the questioning and and uh, like you said, maybe we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but if you're getting the results and people are people are okay with that, if Hunu is uh, is playing his role and I mean, maybe not happy with it, but he doesn't seem to be a whole lot of disruption there, then seems like we're in an okay spot. As long as the, the results keep rolling and the points cure all ills.
0: I hear that. Yeah, keep keep on winning. Keep on winning and We can ask these questions all we want, but the truth is, we don't care what the answers are as long as we keep winning. Let's go over this game. So, shots on target, right? This is not a game where we won the stats. We won the game. We did not win the stats. Shots on target, we were two for five. New York was eight for 19. In terms of possession, we did win possession, 52% to 48%. I was surprised by that expected goals Ooh, i forgot to actually look up exactly what it was um expected goals new york had like over three expected goals and we were at like 0.6 let me find this really quick i apologize guys it wasn't out when i did the notes it was not good for expected goals and that's really a justin stat anyway sam so it is a justin stat it is a justin stat but you know the
2: oh, i'll speak up for xg i'm a I love xG.
0: All right, here here I found here I found it. And I I do want to bring it up because I think this just shows what a game Dane Saint-Clair had. The xG for New York Red Bulls was 3.24. The xG for Minnesota United was 0.49.
2: How was it that high for us?
0: <laughs> Cuz uh, we scored one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that one had to be at least 0.48 of that xG. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh well, there was that one uh was it reynoso shot it and it was blocked yeah reynoso
1: had two situations throughout this game that he should have put one into the net
0: actually i, I think i think uh i'm looking at our our stats here or our our game flow as far as xg goes the Luis maria one was actually our third highest probability of a chance so I, I, I think the other two were Reno So chances.
1: So when I was, so I was taking notes, you know, you, you told me I had to come on here and help you out. So I was actually like, you know, being professional last night. And in the first 45 minutes, I, I'm looking through my notes. And essentially the only two things I wrote down were Ariaga, another sliding tackle, Ariaga, Ariaga, And then I wrote, stop turning the damn ball over because it felt like There were so many bad turnovers in that first half. It was very frustrating.
0: It was frustrating. Um, It was frustrating. And I'm especially glad you're taking notes, right? Uh, James and Justin, they are, they are. So Justin is the one that normally takes the notes on the show. A little behind the scenes for all of you out there. Justin takes the notes on the show. While we were going over, right, like, the goals and assists and, you know, shots and passes and turnovers for Minnesota United. I just want to throw out my game day stats. So I got one kid fed during the first half. (laughs) I got the assist on a second kid being fed. So, right. That that's pretty good. Those, those are parenting points. And I got one to bed all within 45 minutes. And Watched this entire first half. I had it on my laptop and I watched the entire first half. Uh, it it kind of went into the second half a little bit, but I think my parenting stats were pretty good during the first half yesterday. <laughs> that was a long way of me saying, Jeremy, that I appreciate you taking the notes.
2: Not on And here, Justin, where I miss you. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that first 45, I mean, one of the things that stood out to me, I think Amaria and, trap both at certain points I commented on that they're just somebody keeps feeding quarters into the turnover machine tonight they kept getting the ball and sloppy passes just holding it too long letting themselves get closed down it was ugly Um, but at the same time the thought always crosses my mind when you play that poorly and it's still scoreless that it's not like the other team is really blowing your doors off
0: right?
1: Well, and it was weird because, honestly, watching it on television, it felt like Minnesota would get the ball and there were, like, ten red jerseys, you know, already there and in the way. And then, like, New York would get the ball and it felt like they were outnumbering the Minnesota defenders as well. And I'm like, where are all these people coming from? Why? Why is it that it seems like there's so many more New York Red Bull players on the ball?
0: they were playing very intensely in the first half and I I was listening to their commentary crew and even their commentary crew was a little bit worried that they weren't going to be able to keep that up. Right. That's right. You you don't, you don't have to be an all-star soccer pundit to, to, you know, have the understanding that the, the more you run, you can only run so much before you're going to tire out. And that,
1: I thought the frustrating part was they were pressing so much and Minnesota was really just playing into that press. They weren't really doing anything. They weren't really trying to go over the top. They weren't really trying to do anything to break that press. They were just sort of like, you know, trap, especially. But um, it was like they just sort of kept pounding their head into the wall and hoping for a different result.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was an interesting first half. Now, the highlights, Right. 14th minute Dane St. Clair penalty, penalty save. That was against their number nine Kamala. You know, penalty saves. They always say it's kind of like a goal. It's kind of like scoring a goal. You're keeping a goal off the off the score sheet for another for the other team. This wasn't a great. um, This wasn't a great shot by Kamala. Dane St. Clair really just had to guess. (laughs) <laughs> had to guess right, go to that side, and and it was a relatively easy save for Dane St. Clair. Once he it was, once he got it.
1: It definitely wasn't his best save of the game either.
0: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> he made another five saves that were probably more impressive than that one. But hey, it counts. And then another highlight, not fa- not long into the second half, fifty first first minute, you have not Maria goal. Assisted by Dotson, it was a Reynoso corner kick that sort of went over most of our players. Lands at lands at Dotson, a little outside the box. Dotson has a beautiful pass right in to Amaria, who's able to volley it into the goal.
1: Well, and, and I'm going to back up a little bit, Sam, because right at the end of the half, um, Reynoso had that breakaway chance, and he took a bad touch, and he wasn't even able to really, I don't think, get the shot off. It was sort of like a you know, he kind of fumbled with it and and it didn't go anywhere. But Minnesota really had good ball movement at the end of the half. And it started, you started to kind of feel like the momentum was turning. And then right before, um, the, right before the goal was scored, uh, they had a huge save by St. Clair, um, you know, where he, there was no reason that ball didn't go in the back of the net for New York and he saved it. And then not long after that, we put one in the back ourselves.
0: Yeah, again, New York was supposed to have like three and a half goals according to expected goals, and they had none. And given their record, yeah.
2: given their previous performances, I mean, three would be low for what they had been putting up. I mean, you can kind of, I hadn't watched any of their games up until this one, but you can see how they were putting that many in. Without Dane in there, I mean, God, this would have been a bloodbath.
0: So let, let's talk about Dane. Okay, what are your thoughts on the MLS Player of the Week, Dane St. Clair? And not to be, you know, not to be your just typical generic Minnesota United pundit, but do we have a goalkeeper controversy?
1: Well, I mean... I think he has to play in the next game. I think that's a given. I, I would actually turn it around on you, Sam, and ask you this question. Yeah. If Miller was ruled out for the season tomorrow, would you have any um would you have any pause that St. Clair would be our goalie for the rest of the year? No. And and I think if it comes down to a, if it comes down to us having to make a choice I think we have to go with St. Clair because he's just a younger, better goalkeeper. Now the only fear with that is is how much longer is he going to be an MLS goalkeeper? How much longer can we keep him if he truly is? I mean, like, you know, if you're 100 percent on penalty shot saves, I, I mean, someone's going to want to sign you.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that stat was pretty crazy. He is lined up in the MLS four times. Um, For four PKs, none of them have gone in. Three of them were saves by Dane St. Clair. One of them went over the bar.
1: So I I guess controversy is a bad word because it's not like Miller has played poorly. But how do you not at least run him out there again after that performance? I mean, literally, if Miller plays in that game, we lose. I'm going to say that flat out. And people can say I'm wrong or whatever, but... Miller doesn't make a couple of those saves. I truly believe that.
0: Yeah, and I think most people say that Dane St. Clair probably has the higher ceiling. I I think Dane St. Clair would have the higher asking price right now. There have been plenty of indications that both Tyler Miller and Dane St. Clair have been available for the right price. I think Minnesota United has just been kind of seeing what would be best for the team. We like them both. We like them both. Um, we could get something for either of them. We could probably get more for Dane St. Clair. Dane St. Clair might be better in the long run. Tyler Miller might be better in the short run. We made, we could get more for him. It sounds like the only reason that Dane St. Clair hasn't been picked up by another team by now is because Minnesota has wanted too much for him. He keeps playing like last night. <laughs> Maybe Minnesota should have been asking for even more. Um, yeah, I, I think you got to run Dane St. Clair out in the next game. I I think you have to. I don't think Tyler Miller did anything to lose his job. I honestly don't think that Dane St. Clair, that it was really that fair for Dane St. Clair to lose his job when he was in this situation around the same time in the season last year. I get that we lost the first four games of the season and Dane St. Clair was benched for Tyler Miller. I get that. But Dan St. Clair wasn't the only one playing poorly in those first four games. Right? He was the only one that was benched, but he was not the only one playing poorly. It was kind of unfortunate for Dan St. Clair that he was that he was benched earlier last season. It'll be kind of unfortunate for Tyler Miller if the same thing is about to happen to him. They're both great goalies. Now, one thing I will point out and I think it was probably uh Oh, I think it was probably Soda Soccer I saw this on. Tyler Miller, his contract is up after this year. So Adrian Heath is kind of given the impression that he's in no hurry to move either of them. But if he's going to sell Tyler Miller, probably this summer is the time to do it. Because if he hits free agency, we get nothing.
2: Yeah, I was just going to say, I don't think we end this season with both of them. I just don't see, because of the contract situation with Miller, if you're going to move him on, you're running out of time to do that and get something. And if Dane St. Clair is going to play like this, and somebody's going to meet that asking price, and you can work out something with Miller to go forward with him and get the, get the King's ransom for Dane St. Clair, then you have kind of two options. But I, I just think one of those two options is going to happen because if you if you lose Miller and you get nothing then that's kind of a poor decision process to go through as a franchise
0: yeah unless people just aren't willing to pay much um right I, I brought this up I brought this up a few weeks ago and I you know Jeremy doomsday Jeremy being the fantasy football guru I, I brought up the idea of you have two good fantasy football quarterbacks but everyone has a good fantasy football quarterback. And the waiver wire has good fantasy football quarterbacks. In the MLS, you can find value at goalkeeper. And if people aren't, if people are not offering anything that moves the needle for Tyler Miller, I guess maybe it's best to just have him as an insurance policy. Dane St. Clair is going to miss a couple of, he has to miss a couple of games for the Canadian national team as they're getting ready for the World Cup and doing friendlies and stuff like that. I could see, right, like if, if you're Minnesota United and you think you have a legit shot at making a push for the MLS Cup, I could see not wanting to be without two quality goalkeepers moving forward the season if people are not offering you anything legitimate for Tyler Miller.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think the con where we're going to be at at the time matters too. I mean, if we're sitting near the top end and have the luxury – you know, we just got done talking about our our injury situation if that clears up if we're not in need of something somewhere else then that would be a nice place to be so I think there's a lot of moving parts but it's certainly a nice problem to have I don't even know that it's really a problem it gives mm-hmm. you a lot of options of how you want to move forward um, with that position but yeah I just I just think one of them is probably going to move on and even if you've got if you're looking at miller as he's the insurance policy at goal for us if you can move him on and you get an insurance policy somewhere else that's going to have an expiration date that's longer than this season then do you make that move
1: well my thing is just this is that i don't i don't want gam or tam or draft picks or you know any of that stuff because that doesn't make our team any better so the, the fact of the matter is if we're gonna get rid of one of them, we'd have to get someone in return that's gonna provide an equal impact, you know. And I just don't know that anyone is going to trade us a piece that's equal to what either of those goalkeepers means to our club.
0: Exactly. All right. It's my it's my you have two good fantasy football quarterbacks conundrum. What do you do? What do you do? All right. Um, so Jeremy, you got the Bongi Lungwane jersey on brand new. You probably haven't even washed it yet. You were wearing it yesterday. He comes on, he plays almost an entire half. PA, I'll, I'll let you answer too, but Jeremy, I want to start with you. How do you feel about Lungwane?
1: I mean, first off, I thought he looked great in the first two games, obviously. And, and I think in this game, the fact of the matter is, is that like he was really being used as sort of the um, the guy up top. He wasn't really asked to defend a whole lot, especially after um, Amaria came off like he was kind of just back there um, as sort of like the the, uh, you know, the outlet pass guy. And 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 I still thought there were a couple moments where he kind of created some stuff. Um, I kind of been wondering, you know, we talk about where do all these people go, and I think Longwane's kind of uh, kind of like role on this team is going to be the like, second half sub, like spark plug. But I also wonder because, you know, I, I kind of made comment about Renoso yesterday and how I'm tired of him playing so stupid, and that he gets all these dumb yellow cards because he gets angry <laughs> at what guys do. But I kind of wonder if Longwane could actually, you know, in spot duty play that role. He's such a good passer. I know he's young, so he's going to make a lot of mistakes. And I know that's not his natural position. But um, I feel like he could, he could maybe in a pinch, you know, fill that role if we did lose, um, you know, to yellow card accumulation or whatever, because he can't seem to keep his temper under control. <laughs>
0: Whoa. (laughs) So first of all, uh, Lungwane, my understanding is, and I am not someone that's watched a lot of, I am not someone that's watched a lot of South African premier league or whatever they're calling it. But my understanding is Lungwane can play any offensive position. Um, I'll I'll let PA answer about Lungwane before I, add on a little bit about the Reynoso comment, because I, I don't want to be too hard on the guy. He is, right, like our team is built around him. Uh, there was a really nice stat by Eli Hoff that I just want to point out uh, be, before we kind of wrap things up, but P.A., what what are your thoughts on Lengwane?
2: Oh, I'm, I think he is incredibly exciting as a, a player right now and as a, a prospect to develop in the future, but I think he's already got like we've seen, he's already in a position where we can put him out there, and I feel, you know, very confident that he can bring something and contribute on the the offense. I do think there is there's just an energy about him going forward that I really like. I think he's incredibly tenacious going after the ball, carrying it forward. I think there there is a little bit, if there's anything about him that concerns me, is that he is so exuberant going forward that he kind of forgets they can go the other way too. Um, But to me, he's the kind of player that um, I've talked a little bit about on Twitter about my, my love of fun, bad soccer. Um, I think this is entertainment after all, this is supposed to be fun. And I don't think he's fun, bad at all. Just what I mean is he's exciting there is an energy there is something about him that whenever he goes out on the field and the ball gets near him you know something's going to happen uh, there's not going to be a boring uh sequence of play whenever he's on the field with it so i like to see him out there i am interested to see if you put him into a starting role like like we had just talked about with Red Bulls that they went out there and they were so up tempo and You can kind of see how the effect that that takes on a team, like how long can he keep that up um, to bring that kind of energy to the team? But do you want to get him out there instead of being the sub that is the change of pace? Do you want to get him out there to start fast to try and get the lead and then be able to defend and counter against them? I think we've really got some pieces that excel in that role that he would open up some opportunities, but I'm, I'm a big fan of his. I really like, uh, what he's brought to the to the team, and the, I mean, think about the the social media engagement numbers that that Minnesota has gotten out of South <laughs> Africa just have to be blowing the league away. Every time they put up a a picture of him like sitting down at uh, breakfast eating a pancake or something, and yep. you get like five thousand comments rolling in from from South Africa.
0: You're the PA loon. He is the ZA loon. So. I, I just kind of want to go back to Reynoso, and then we'll kind of wrap things up. But so, Jeremy, I I agree with you that right there have been some times where Reynoso, uh, you know, it, it seems like his plays are just kind of going nowhere. I wonder if that more has to do with our offense not being, not being in midseason form. Um, our offense still is a little clunky. We've talked about this now for a few episodes. Um, three goals a game is not ideal. Here, here are a couple of stats from uh, Eli Hoff, uh, who writes for Soda Soccer. Uh, I did post-loons with him once. Here are just a few stats. Through two games, Emmanuel Reynosa leads the MLS in successful dribbles, 14. Attempted dribble, dribbles, 24. Players dribbled past, 15 and is tied for the lead in nutmegs with three. Um, he I, So I'm taking these stats from Eli. Eli adds that he takes these stats from FB Ref. And the, the reason I'm bringing this up is when Reynoso has been at his finest, when we have been the most excited about Reynoso, it's not because he scores a ton of goals. He's never done that. Um, he did set up an insane number of assists in the MLS Cup playoffs in 2020. He, he right, assisting to Kevin Molino, assisting to Robin Lud. He really kind of built up those relationships with those players, and it worked out really nicely uh, for the team. But it wasn't Emmanuel Reynoso scoring the goal. It was him setting it up. I think we got to be patient with Reynoso and with the offense. I, I think that they're not clicking and I don't think that it's Reynoso's fault. I guess that that's just what I would say. Yes. I, I hear you in that he has some plays that just are going nowhere. I'm wondering if the reason they're going nowhere is because he doesn't necessarily have a place to take them.
1: I'm I'm not as worried about that part of his game. I mean, like I listen, man, I, you know, me, like I'm, I'm about as big a Reynoso fan as there is, but we've had seven yellow cards this season. Reynoso has two of them. And both of those yellow cards were because somebody pissed him off and he decided to create a stupid penalty. And I guess my point that I was trying to make is, you know, he's the one player on our team that we don't have anyone to replace. Like we, we just don't. And maybe if we did have to replace him for a game because of yellow card accumulation, because he can't control his temper, then Maybe Longwane can fill that role. That's all I was saying. Like, don't don't hear what I'm not saying. Like, I Reynoso is the reason this team goes anywhere. I I totally get that. But I don't know. Like that go back and watch that penalty he committed, you know, and right right before half. And
0: or foul.
1: Yeah, the yellow card. Yeah, yeah. Don't I mean there was no reason for him to make that play. It it was purely because one of his players, it wasn't even a foul on him, by the way. One of the players on the team got smacked in the face. He thought it should have been a foul. So he went rogue. Like, and that's the second time this year he's done it. He's gotten two yellows and he just, that's his style of play, but we're going to lose him for some games because of accumulation. We just are.
0: Yeah, I, I I hear that. I I think your phrase don't don't hear what I'm not saying. I, I you you said it better than I just did. But okay, I I get it. We're on the same page. We're on the same page. I I was thinking you were more talking about his play, um, where you're more talking about his conduct. Okay, I get that. All right. Well, anything either of you have to say before we sign off?
1: No, I mean just uh, you know, thanks for having me again, Sam. And uh, you know, I love what you guys are doing here, and I love you know, being able to be the foot, the football guy on your, uh, on your American football podcast,
0: (laughs) the American football guy on the football podcast or the American football guy on the soccer podcast.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Pretty much any way other than how I said it.
0: Hence why you started talking about penalties committed by Reynoso. And I'm just like, what? (laughs) Reynoso didn't commit any penalties, but, um, it's cause you're, you're yeah.
1: a, you know, you're I an can't, NFL pundit. I can't keep those things straight. I mean, I, 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 yep. I call it a pitch. I've gotten that down. Like, you know, yep. I'm still, I'm still, I'm still very American. So I'm, I'm trying here.
0: I, I don't even call it a pitch. That just seems pretentious. Jeremy PA. Thank you both for being here. I'll, I'll put, uh, I'll put your Twitter handles in the show notes. PA you're at Loon Sylvania. But if anyone doesn't, 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 doesn't want, doesn't want to, fit show notes, Jeremy is at the chise, but he's called doomsday Jeremy. So uh, again, I'll, I'll put them both in the show notes so you can find them easily. Thank you guys both for coming on. Um, I highly enjoy it. Both you and welcome back whenever you just feel like chatting some loons. All right.
1: Absolutely, man. And Hey, only seven teams without a loss in the MLS and the loons are one of them. So pot on you loons.
2: Hot damn. Yeah, Sam, thanks for, uh, thanks for the invite. Glad to come back and fill in when we were a little bit shorthanded. I'll be happy to be a rotational feature on here. Ooh. Apparently haven't scared off any listeners on my first appearance, so we'll see what damage I can do to you folks in the second one here.
0: We will see. We will see. So we got some games coming up. Minnesota United hosts San Jose on Saturday, March 19th at 7 p.m. Could it be the Kelville-Gregish revenge game? Let's hope not. Following that game, a little bit of an international break. The U.S. men's national team is back in World Cup qualifiers. They're at Mexico Thursday, March 24th at 9 p.m. They're hosting Panama Sunday, March 27th at 6 p.m. And they're at Costa Rica Wednesday, March 30th at 8 p.m. If you are interested in the U.S. men's national team, I recommend checking out the American Podligans, hosted by another friend of the show, Nate. All right, guys, I'm out of stuff to talk about. I think you guys are, too. Everyone out there, thank you for listening. In the meantime, peace out and pot on your loons. Pot on your loons.
2: Pot on you loons.
1: Thanks,
0: guys.